welcome to the Grit and Wit podcast, a show for ambitious female business owners that want to grow irresistible brands. If you're running a business and juggling family commitments and often your sanity, well, you're in the right place. I'm Liz from Elevate and I'm your host. I'll be chatting with inspiring guests who are sharing their stories and practical advice to help you navigate the highs and lows of building a business with grit and wit. Hi there and welcome to this week's episode of the Grit and Wit podcast. This week I'm joined by Ify from The Modern Glow. Now Ify is a nutritional therapist and a yoga teacher and we're going to be talking all things feel-good nutrition and yoga today. So let's just dive right in. Hello and welcome Ify. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Grit and Wit podcast. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about uh, your business and who you are and what you do for those that don't know you, please? It's really good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So my name's Ify um, and I run online yoga classes twice a week. Um, I've also recently started running once a month a restorative yoga class with beautiful oils, which is a really lovely chunk of self-care. And I also do one-to-one nutrition consultations as well. Brilliant. And we're going to dive into that in a little bit more detail as we go through. So if you don't mind, we're going to start off right back at the beginning and to just kind of get some understanding of of how you've got here, because lots of my audience are kind of building businesses. And I think it's always really interesting to find out how people kind of started off and where they've ended up. So how long have you been running your business? Well, I've been running my business uh, since about 2017, but really I hadn't planned to start a business. Um, it kind of grew very much organically, um, but I'd sort of officially um, been running a business for over a year now. Yeah, and that's often what happens, isn't it? People sort of start off maybe with a sort of side hustle or doing something because it's following their passion or their interest, and then it kind of takes over. So what were you doing before? What's your background? I mean, I know this because we've worked together, <laughs> but this is for the for the benefit of those people listening that don't know you. <laughs> well, I was, um, I used to be a fashion buyer. Um, I worked for Primark. Um, so that was, that was very much uh, my job. I then um, had a daughter and I took some time out of work. Um, I was very fortunate. I was able to have some time off work. And then really, I kind of just fell into nutrition. And then something that very much started as a hobby, giving advice to friends, friends started recommending me and really kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. And um, tell me about how you sort of fell into it, as you said, because I know because I've helped you with your brand story, (laughs) that there's a really nice story behind this, that your daughter was having some problems, wasn't she, with her health when she was born? What happened yeah, so my, my daughter didn't, she didn't sleep very well, which is very common <laughs> for a lot of new yes. And really, by the time she was about six months, when I started weaning her, the problems got worse. Um, so she constantly had a runny nose, she had a cough all the time, and it was often turning into croup, which would then keep her awake all night. I felt like we were back and forth um, to the GP. So at the time, He suspected asthma and he said she was too young for an inhaler. Um, So it was very much talking about maybe getting her on some steroids to help clear the airways. So it was all kind of quite worrying. I was quite frustrated. Um, I was quite exhausted as well because I wasn't sleeping very well. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'll just reach for 
convenient food. So I lived on toast and jam and cereals, basically anything that was easy, lots of sugar, (laughs) high carbohydrates. (laughs) And it was really, I stumbled um, upon a nutritional therapist and she glowed with health. She, yeah, and I just remember looking at her and just thinking, oh, I want to look like that. I want to feel like that. So I thought, I'm going to make an appointment and see her. So I did. And I took my daughter with me because she was still very young. So I had her on my lap and I was talking to the nutritionist about my problems and how tired I was. And she really, in, she really kind of instantly picked up that something wasn't right with my daughter and suddenly started asking me all these questions about my daughter. And it was so refreshing. I suppose to have that much time and that much interest given to something that I knew was a problem. Well, as I'd been told in the past, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine. And to have somebody say, oh, she's getting lots of codes. Okay, and is this happening? And does she cry at night a lot? And it was just so lovely. So she identified that my daughter had an intolerance. And we worked out what the intolerance was, removed it from my daughter's diet. And then she recommended some supplements for me. And really, we just, within two weeks, we, we just both felt so much better. And my daughter really went from, like, she basically just went to really thriving, sleeping better, which meant that I felt better because I was sleeping better. Yeah, of course. Oh, I'm so fortunate that you, you managed to sort of find that nutritionist in the first place, because you can imagine what the alternative would have been. You know, you could have ended up on with a, a very young baby on on steroids and then you know sort of being labeled as having asthma for the rest of their life effectively and that's uh that's not a very nice place to be is it so thank thank goodness so then so that obviously then piqued your interest uh in in the sort of field did it and is that what really motivated you to kind of pursue this for your business yeah so for me when I say it was life-changing I really mean it was life-changing I mean my daughter had as well she had eczema so she had it in her creases and the eczema cleared up. I, I kind of felt like, you know, when I was with friends, I was saying, oh, God, can you imagine? Like, you know, she, she had eczema. I thought we were going to be stuck with all these creams and her skin's cleaned up, cleared up. I kept going back to the nutritional therapist. And it was actually, she said to me, you should do a course. And I was just like, oh, OK, because I was just like so interested. And then I ended up looking into courses. And I'm, I'm about the time thinking, oh, no, I don't want to be a nutritional therapist. I couldn't possibly do that. I really want to know more. So I signed up to a course. And I remember saying to them, even when I applied to do the course, I remember saying, I, I, I don't want to be a nutritional therapist. I just want to know more. I just want to improve <laughs> my health and my children's health. And they were like, oh, that's fine. You, know, you can sign up to the course. If you want to become a nutritional therapist, you have to do some extra training at the end. So that's absolutely fine. So I had no intention of doing this. And yeah, I just started the course and then, yeah, it just really snowboarded from there. And was your intention to actually go back to Primark to your sort of fashion buying career or had you just not quite decided what you were going to do at the time? Yeah, I think I'd kind of always had it in the back of my my head that I would go back to buying. That's kind of what I did. That's what I knew. And I'd go back, whether to Primark or somewhere else, I always had it in the back of my head. That's where I'd go back to. Um, so yeah, so this really kind of took me by surprise and kind of <laughs> on a very different path <laughs> yes absolutely 
Um, so how did the yoga part come into it as well then? Because obviously you're a, a yoga teacher now and you run the most fantastic online courses or classes, I should say. So how did the yoga come about? So I'd always done yoga. I fell into yoga in my 20s and I really fell into yoga because um, I love running. I'm a runner, um, but I was getting knee problems. So yoga used to help with stretching. So I kind of went to yoga to help me run better and faster. But I found that actually the yoga was doing so much more for me than just stretching my legs out. Mentally, I felt better. Uh, And people often used to comment at work how I was always calm and I wasn't stressed. And I noticed that if I missed yoga for a few weeks, I did get quite irritable and quite stressed. So when I started working with clients, a lot of clients that I work with were stressed. And I, I kind of felt that a lot of the problems they had were driven by high cortisone. So um, that's one of our stress hormones. And yoga is a brilliant way to reduce the amount of cortisone that we secrete in our body. So um, when we have cortisone in our body, we go into that kind of fight or flight mode. Um, and it's quite difficult to digest food, um, to rest, to burn fat. So really, if you want to digest your food properly, relax, you need to get your body into rest and digest mode. And that's where yoga really comes into its own. And that's where it really helps. So I found that really for clients, it's not just enough to fix the food that they're eating, but also to work on lifestyle. And I found yoga was brilliant for that. So it's a very holistic approach, isn't it? It's sort of looking at the whole body uh, and what's needed rather than just elements, which I, I think is a, a really, a really good way of, of um, being able to sort of deliver stuff for a client that you know is going to make a real big difference. So a couple of questions then, really. When you started, mm. did you, you said that you were working uh, sort of for friends and people were asking you for a bit of help. Were you doing quite a bit of work for free at the beginning? Um, while you're sort of building up your client base? Well, I say yes and no. So it really started with a friend said she had psoriasis and she said to me, do you think nutrition would help? And I said, I don't know, we could give it a go. It helped my skin. Why don't we give it a go? And within a month, there was a dramatic improvement. So she was absolutely blown away and she got really excited. And even though I, I did it for free, she was just like, I feel amazing. I feel so much better. I feel like I, I want to give you something. So she ended up um, saying, right, tell you what, why don't I do some babysitting for you as a way of saying thank you. And then she recommended me to a friend of hers who had really bad acne. And then again, I didn't charge the friend. But again, a month later, when we had our second appointment, she said to me, I feel like I've got to pay you. You've put a lot of time and effort into this so she was like what can I pay you so I remember kind of coming up with a thinking oh gosh okay you know I'll charge you x so although I hadn't set out a a price people kind of felt oh I've seen huge benefits so in the end it became a bit awkward so in the end it just became easy to say to people from the start okay this is what I'm going to charge are you happy with that and then go from there yes yeah 
Well, that's that's a great situation to be where people are thrusting money into. I suspect you what, were you out every night then? You had babysitting every night of the week, and you have a lot of babysitting. In the pub every every night, and they're like, "Who is this person?" <laughs> that's really interesting. And then, so then you set your prices, and then that's kind of how it's all sort of taken off from there. So did you, when you started, did you kind of have any sort of brand ethos? Was there any thinking behind, um, you know, how you wanted to work and whether you wanted to create a business that would allow you to be there for, you know, the school runs or the sports days or that kind of thing? I think you've got two children. Is that right? Yes, I do. How old are they? My daughter's uh, 10 and my son's five. So they're still quite little and, you know, presumably you're around then are you a little bit more to do the school runs and things this business fits in with that kind of those kind of working hours exactly I mean my business fits perfectly yeah I just work it very much around around the children and a lot of clients you know they want to see me in the evenings so I can get the children to bed and then have my time with them so it works uh, beautifully around the children which is just perfect for me yeah definitely and how do you manage to sort of separate your home and your work life? Because this is something that I know a lot of us struggle with, mm. the sort of boundaries around, you know, the having technology. Do you have a kind of dedicated workspace? I know, obviously, when you're teaching, you have to sort of set up your studio room, don't you? Yeah. So is that a room that you use in the house the rest of the time? Or is that a sort of dedicated space? Like how do you actually work at home? At the moment, because I'm teaching online yoga, I've got a room that I've kind of just dedicated to teaching yoga. And then in the corner um, where the camera doesn't see, I've got a table set up and I've got all my files. And... The mess, is it? <laughs> the mess. The paperwork piled up. It was anything like mine. And, I mean, the, the beauty about the business I run is I really enjoy it. So, for example, teaching yoga, I don't see that as work. Um, so doing it in the evenings, I don't actually, I know it sounds crazy, but I don't actually see that as work. The things that I do see as work, which is the more tedious stuff, like the paperwork, doing the accounts, <laughs> um, doing my invoices during the day when the children are at school or at nursery, then that's when I do kind of the, the paperwork. I set aside a time and I do my paperwork then. Um, and then again, seeing clients, I often sometimes see them during the day um, or evenings. But yeah, I tend to have a time for the, the things I call the not so nice work, it's just the, the part that I like the least in my job. Yes, I think we're all with you on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so can you tell us a little bit about the kind of the, the business now, who your sort of customers are? You know, who do you t- tend to work with? It's really difficult to define my customer because it, it's so varied, um, the people I work with. But it, as a, I tend to work with people who are stressed, <laughs> time poor, um, people who just maybe feeling tired all the time, or they've got health concerns such as bloating, skin conditions. So it varies. And then I've got my yoga clients who who come to me because they feel good after a yoga session. So there might not necessarily be anything wrong with them. They just come for the exercise and the movement. So yeah, so really, really varied um, customers. And how how do you promote your business? How do you find um, new customers and new people? Oh, no, that's a bit I'm really bad at. Um, at the moment, I have been really relying on word of mouth. 
normally it, it's very much a case of if I see um, a lady who's married, I'll end up seeing her and she'll recommend her husband comes along. A lot of my yoga clients get their friends to come along. So at the moment, I haven't been doing very much marketing or business marketing. So that's something I'll be looking to in the future. But at the moment, which is very lucky, I haven't, I haven't needed to. Yeah, that is that is good. If it's all recommendation, that's the best way, I think. Mm. Certainly when you're when you're sort of starting up, especially. But yeah, for that to continue through your business, most of my clients tend to come through recommendations as well. Um, I don't sort of pay for advertising or anything like that either. So, okay, we we're going to talk a little bit about your work life and your organization and that kind of stuff Mm. and you've already referenced you know your desk in the corner there Mm -hmm. when is your most productive time of the day would you say um morning once I've dropped the children off at school and then I always seem to get a second wind in the evening (laughs) especially if I've taught a yoga class I always get a second wind so I tend to be quite productive sort of between the hours of nine and eleven so I often do do work then as well and do you ever sort of find yourself procrastinating at home because there's lots of other things crying out for your attention for me um I I can often be found sort of loading the dishwasher while (laughs) doing something else and you know there's there's, I think especially as as mums we kind of often try to multitask a bit do you, do you find that that happens with you or are you quite yeah. sort of focused when you're working? No, I'm very, very easily distracted. So I have to be really careful. Um, my husband's working from home at the moment as well. So um, so it's kind of quite distracting because he comes out to make a coffee and then we end up yeah. that. Then I say, oh, should we go for a quick walk? <laughs> <laughs> so you're blaming him. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> or he's wrong. No, so I can get easily distracted, but I try and I try and kind of, the way I try and stay focused to say, listen, you've got a four hour chunk now. So just get your head down, ignore the dishwasher, ignore the washing machine. Yeah, absolutely. Who needs clothes? (laughs) So do you have any kind of advice that you would give people that uh, perhaps are in a sort of similar situation to you where they've got an interest in something? It could be nutritional yoga, it could be something else. Do you have any advice for anybody about how they might get started or anything you wish that you had known at the beginning that you know now? Probably to work with Liz. (laughs) (laughs) She was not prepped to say that, folks. (laughs) Thank you. It's quite nice at the start to to maybe clearly lay out what you want, how many hours you're willing to dedicate to your business, to really work out... Is there a business here? Have I got the the hours? Am I going to put the hours in to make it go somewhere? I think very much mine just was, okay, I'm seeing this client, I'm seeing this client. And I sometimes wish I, you know, if I'd sat down at the start and planned everything out, I mean, it's, I'm where I am now and I, I wouldn't change it. But I just think if you're in that position, you're thinking, have I got a business? I'd like to do something. I think really sit down and work out what it is you want, how many hours you're willing to dedicate, and then maybe work with somebody like yourself and work out what branding you want, who your ideal client would be. And that would just save so much time and effort and keep, kind of keep you on track and keep you a bit more focused. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, it's probably a good idea for me to, to explain to people that we worked together on your brand foundations mm. a, a little while ago, didn't we? So yeah. 
and, and and all of that stuff is sort of involved in the Brown Foundation process, which is a, uh, for those that don't know, it's a, a sort of four to six week process where you work one to one with me. Uh, and we have several calls and we do lots of homework and we kind of get real clarity around the business uh, and sort of everything from the kind of commercials around the hours that you work and what your pricing and packages are going to be and that sort of stuff all the way through to, you know, the kind of look and feel of the business uh, and obviously all your messaging and stuff like that as well. I think that often people uh, starting businesses are very much like, you know, your story. It's very much the sort of similar story where it's, uh, it's sort of something that they've had an interest in and you've just sort of followed the interest and followed your nose, which I think is brilliant. And it's for me, lots of my clients often come to me after, you know, having been in business for, for a while. Mm-hmm. In fact, the longest person was had been in business for 20 years <laughs> and then and then realized that actually this was a kind of gap that, that they'd never really sat down and done this piece of work, which is, I think, foundational to to really being able to be more strategic and to drive your business in the way you want to go. But I think it's also really, really normal to just start and just get going and sort of see where it takes you and then to do this bit a bit further down the line. Um, How did you find the Brown Foundations? Oh, brilliant. I I really enjoyed it. Several things. I think the working one-to-one each week was really good. I got given homework, so I had lots to think about. And it was actually really nice to sit down and give my business that time dedicate some time to because you know I was constantly like oh teaching yoga or seeing clients but it was actually really good to just kind of work out what exactly is my business and what's my vision and where do I want to be in the future where do I want to be a year from now where do I want to be five years from now so that to have that clarity was really really good yeah I think it is um it it sort of transforms things because at least then you know even if you haven't got tons of time to work on a business each day you could take baby steps towards that and you're kind of moving in the right direction, aren't you? Rather than a sort of more scattergun approach, perhaps. Thank you for that. That was very nice to say. (laughs) Uh, So do you have any, this is a complete like about turn here, but Mm. do you have any sort of favourite motivational podcasts or books or anything that you'd like to recommend to anybody? Oh, yes, I've got quite a few. Uh, I love uh, Dr Chatterjee. Um, I like listening to him. I really like the Goop podcast as well. So those are kind of the two I've been listening to this week. Oh, book-wise, I'm reading a really, really good book at the moment. And it's all about uh, breathing, the importance of your breath, the science behind it. So that's really interesting. So yeah, so that's kind of what I'm listening to, I'm reading this week. But yeah, normally, there's always something by the side of my bed, normally yoga or nutrition <laughs> but there's yeah. That I'm reading. yeah it's funny isn't it I think I'm the same I, I keep meaning to to read novels but I can't help but have a big pile of books that are around online marketing or <laughs> growing your business or, and my husband keeps saying to me why don't you just read something else that takes your mind off work but I'm like but actually this is I, what I enjoy reading and I, I want to learn more and I want to you know, to read these books. And I, I don't get a huge amount of time for reading. So when I do, I want to read something that I'm really interested in. <laughs> I've not listened to the Goop podcast, though. That's a good recommendation. Yeah. Oh, cool. 
So what's the hardest thing that you found about being a business owning mum? Do you sort of suffer from any of the, the dreaded mum guilt or anything like that? I think probably the hardest thing is not so much as the mum guilt, because I've got quite a good balance and it works, it works really well. I think probably more the imposter syndrome. Who am I to be running a business? Can I really do this? What if I don't have any clients next month? You know, so I think it's more that that fear. But um, as I'm starting to realise, I think that's completely normal. And I've worked with some amazing people who are really at the top of their game. I mean, they're global directors for huge companies and they suffer from imposter syndrome. And I'm just like, really, you've got imposter syndrome with all your qualifications. So I think that's that's fairly normal. I totally agree. I think it is. Whatever level you're at, I think it is completely normal. Uh, there's a saying that's different level, different devil. Um, and it, it, it's, it's so true that whichever level you get to with your business, you know, if you're running a, a, a multi seven figure business, for instance, then you're you're still going to have that feeling, I think, of mm. possibly just at a different at a different sort of level in your business. But what is the best thing about running your own business? Obviously, we've talked about the fact that it fits in with the school days and, the, you know, it doesn't feel like work to you. What what do you love about this versus your old career in fashion buying? Oh, I mean, I think I think for me the 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 best thing about running my own business is being there for the children, being there for the drop off, uh, the collection, um, you know, all the sports days. But what what I really really love um, about this is the difference it can make to somebody's life. And I, I don't heal anybody; people heal themselves. But sometimes they just need somebody to point them in direct the right direction in the way of they might need some testing or some supplements and I think for me that's what I love most about what I do is that you know seeing the difference it makes to somebody's life yes totally transformational especially if somebody's coming to you and they have got a complaint like acne or something like that that would that would be completely transformational is there anything that you'd love everybody to know about nutrition are there any kind of things that we should all know perhaps especially you know as as busy working parents oh oh that's a tough one um there's so many things but I think I I think the biggest message that I give to people is it's not complicated you know because one of the biggest fears that clients have when they come to see me is that what you're going to stop me eating it's not that complicated and you don't have to do that much uh bodies are amazing and actually if I had one wish it would be for everybody to appreciate just how amazing their body is and it just needs us to support it a little bit and it can do so much and that's kind of the one message is there's so many things we can do that aren't actually that much of an effort that will make a huge difference to our general well-being yes definitely I saw a really uh, sort of interesting thing on um, Instagram I think it was that was a, a quote that somebody had put up and it was basically saying, you know, your body has over the last year, say through this pandemic, its job has been to kind of keep you safe and well yeah. and to eventually, you know, to not kind of get coronavirus and die basically. Yeah. And then it was like, well, your body's been doing its job really, really well. Yeah. You put on a few pounds, but you know, you're still fit and well and alive. So let's all kind of, ourselves a bit of slack for you know for probably what's been maybe not the best although you know I say it's not the best nutrition time for for a lot of people but there is another side to this sort of lockdown thing that 
lots of people have actually found really, really good health in this time because they've been able to be at home, they've been able to cook for themselves, uh, get out and exercise in perhaps a way they couldn't when they were really busy commuting and, uh, and running around. Yeah, a lot of my clients have actually said that to me is we're now, you know, I'm not flying here, there and everywhere. I'm actually at home so I can eat better. I'm walking. Yeah. I'm taking a walk at lunchtime, which I'd never do in the office. So, yeah, so I think there have been a lot of benefits. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think so. Are there any kind of big myths or anything that you think that sort of, there's a lot of conflicting advice, I would say, can be quite confusing. You know, should we be eating carbs? Should we cut out gluten? Is bread bad? You know, are we all too addicted to sugar? Like, are there kind of any myths or challenges that you think that we we face that that are perhaps a, a kind of an easy fix yeah one of the things I say to people is forget fat free <laughs> right you know I see people come to me so I'm fat free I don't eat fat we're designed to eat fat we need fat obviously we need the right fats in the right amounts but we need fats they're important so I don't buy into the no fat diet and um, we need carbs we need carbohydrates again super important Again, there's a balance to be had with everything. And the other thing that, and if I could give anybody listening to this podcast one piece of advice, it would be to drink more water. We're chronically dehydrated as as a society. We don't drink enough water. And that's one of the most simple things you can do right now to just improve your health. Just start improving your water. Obviously, don't go and, right, if he said on the podcast, I need to drink water and just you know, take two litres in one sitting. I mean, just gradually start <laughs> increasing your water over the next few days. If you drink half a litre a day, maybe increase it to, you know, 750 mil. And then by the end of the week, take it up to a litre, but just gradually increase your water and try and avoid too much water around meal times. So try and have your water away from meals. Okay, that's good advice. Yeah. I try to drink water. I have a bottle that is quite a large bottle that I try and get through. And some days are better than others. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, the thing is, I find that I just end up going to the loo all the time if I drink loads of water. And I drink loads of tea as it is. And when I'm on lots of client calls and stuff, I'm almost, I suppose, avoiding drinking too much water, thinking, oh, no, I'm going to need the loo in 10 minutes. <laughs> I suppose there's a way around that, is there? <laughs> this is why I say to people, increase your water gradually. <laughs> the more you drink, your bladder will get better able at holding the water for longer. It's just because that would say to me that that's a sign of dehydration. Your bladder's not used to holding too much water. So that's why I say to people, increase your water gradually. Right. Yeah. You're not always running to the loo, even when <laughs> two litres a day at the end, because your bladder will get much better at holding more water. Right. Okay. And what about alcohol? You know, it, it, people that come see you, I mean, it's obviously a really tricky one, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. I suppose the best thing is to cut out alcohol altogether. But is there a is there a sort of better drink to drink if you are going to be indulging in a few drinks at the weekend? This is the thing. Whenever I have men see me, they say, please don't touch my drink. And, um, you, you know, at the end of the day, life is for living. So I'm a huge believer. You've, you've got to be able to enjoy life. And part of enjoying life is having a drink, having a gin and tonic on a Friday night. So um, I say it's a drink is fine. I try and encourage people to have things like red wine or a gin and slimline tonic. 
but I think with again with everything in life it's all about balance um, and moderation so I'd rather you had a drink once a week then you go completely teetotal and then go on a massive binge at the end of the month yeah so to think about balance it's all about balance uh, and what about for the children as well because something that I notice is that my kids eat tons of sandwiches it seems mm-hmm. uh, especially in the holidays it's like a quick thing to grab a sandwich yeah. have you got any suggestions for any other sort of better lunches for instance or is there anything that our kids should perhaps be eating to ensure their kind of optimal health well one of the things with um I found it children I and I have two children so so I'm living this is when you get children to be involved um in the food prep they're more likely to eat it so um there isn't a vegetable that my children won't eat um they might not like it but they'll always try it so one of the things I say to parents is get your children involved. Say to them, what would you, what would you like? We're going we're gonna to do something different today. We're not going to have sandwiches. What would you like instead? And it's amazing what they come up with, the ideas um, that they come up with. Another thing I like to do is um, I have a chart on my fridge and we have the 50 food challenge. So it's, I try and get the children to write in. Uh, so you have four, 50 squares and you write in the food so you try to get, you can try to maybe do it over a week, try and fill in the foods. But every time, for example, every time you have a sandwich or pasta, that's wheat. So that's classed as one. So that's quite a good way to encourage them. Say, so, right, okay, we've had, you know, we had maybe a breakfast cereal for breakfast that contained wheat. So let's try and make lunch that doesn't contain wheat. What ideas have you got? And then you see them go, maybe rice. Okay, should we make maybe a rice salad or something? So rice, some vegetables and protein, whack that up together, lunch doesn't involve sandwiches. Yeah, I mean I, I, I agree with you on all that actually. When you you know, you're absolutely right, when my kids do get involved, they and they love it actually. They love being in the kitchen and yeah. and, and having that kind of autonomy and being able to make their own stuff. In fact, over the the last lockdown we would do something where we would have a restaurant. So they would run a restaurant for my husband and I and then the next time we would do it for them yeah. um, and they really got into that and they were making all sorts of things uh, which was really interesting but yeah I hadn't thought of doing that for the lunches as well I think I'll I'll definitely have a go um the the chart that you mentioned mm. how do we get our hands on one of those where did you find that um I came up with it because um I've got clients who have children and they say to me my child won't eat fruit and vegetables so it's a fun chart that I came up with for them to do but maybe I can put a link um, so that listeners can go and download it if they want. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, that would be brilliant. Thank you. So we've talked about the kids and their sort of uh, different foods, but for for us uh, mums and and women who are perhaps you know like me in in their forties, perhaps heading towards the menopause, mm-hmm. is, do you have any advice or anything that we should be considering? You know, taking supplementing with or perhaps uh, eating specifically that would would help support our bodies. I mean, again, I think it's a bit like what we've touched on earlier, try and drink more water, try and eat more vegetables. Um, But there's certainly uh, supplements um, that are really good. Um, Vitamin D is a really good one, especially through the winter months. Um, B vitamins, which are found in our dark leafy vegetables, are really good. Another supplement that I love is omega-3, which is uh, derived from fish oil, although it can get vegan versions as well. So that's really good for brain health. It's really good for skin. 
So it helps with, um, I say, fine lines. It helps with just plumping the skin up. So that's a really nice one if you're in your 40s. But again, with supplements, especially fish oils, you've got to be really careful um, where you're getting it from because there's a lot of fish oils out there on the market that are full of toxins. So I always say be very, very careful. And again, with supplements, I'm always reluctant to give a kind of general advice because we're all very different. And what supplements you might need might be very different to what supplements I need. So I'd always say, if in doubt, it's always worth um, speaking to a nutritional therapist um, and getting getting some advice. But with regards to menopause, another um, big area is balancing blood sugars. So I always like to work with women to balance their blood sugars, especially, you know, as you start to get perimenopausal, you might start getting hot flushes, anxiety, and keeping your blood sugars nice and balanced will help with all those symptoms as well. That's really important. I've I've been realising recently that um, I, I, I feel like I'm fairly addicted to sugar, to be honest. We all are. So I kind of get to about four o'clock and I'm like, oh, I could just have a little bit of chocolate now. And I've been snacking on them. Terrible. What can we do to help balance our, our blood sugars? I mean, and, and I suppose it depends, like you say, with each person. And is there a sort of particular test that you do with your clients uh, in order to kind of find out where they are now and work out what baseline is? Or how does that work? I mean, there, there's lots of things you can do. Um, you can do like a simple uh, a prick test where you can check your blood sugars. But that all starts getting quite complicated. And there are certain clients who like that and will work like that if that's what they want. But normally what I say, because it is so common, um, a sugar addiction and craving something sweet, especially around kind of three, four o'clock. So what I what I do is I try and get um, clients to balance their blood sugars. And one of the ways that we can balance our blood sugars is to have breakfast and then have a mid-morning snack, lunch, mid-morning snack, and then evening meal. But I try and say make sure that you include protein at every meal. So you have protein at breakfast, protein in your snack, protein at lunch, afternoon snack contains protein, supper contains protein because proteins take longer to digest. So it just tries to keep the blood sugars a little bit more even and stops that kind of, you know, surge of, because when we have something sugary and we kind of create this surge in our blood sugars, we produce insulin to bring the blood sugars down. And if you keep doing that throughout the day, that doesn't, that doesn't help. You then crave more sugar. While as if we can try and even that line out, you don't crave the sugars. So that's kind of what, what I work on. And that's kind of a really good way to start it. So still have your chocolate, but have your chocolate maybe after supper when you've had a meal, and then it won't have such an impact on your blood sugars. Great advice. Thank you. And the the sugar uh, and the snacking. Mm. So what would you suggest kind of really good options for snacks? Because that's where I come a bit unstuck. Because yep. again, with this kind of conflicting advice, I would naturally probably reach for a piece of fruit. But then, you know, I've also read other stuff that says, well, yeah. fruit is full of sugar yeah. and you shouldn't just be eating fruit on its own because that's going to spike. So help me out here. <laughs> Tell me what to be. <laughs> this is completely normal. And I see this all the time. I had an apple for a mid-morning snack, you know, and then an hour later I felt hungry. So things like if you're going to have an apple, I always say to people, try and eat the whole apple. So make sure you eat the skin so that you're getting the fiber as well. But one of the things I like to do is um, when I have an apple as a snack, I'll have it with a teaspoon of 
um, or half a tablespoon of almond butter. Because again, that's got fat and protein, and that would just help stop that spike. Um, again, things like someone said I had a bunch of grapes. Again, grapes kind of quite high in sugar, so that would spark that blood sugar. So again, if you want, I'd say having a handful of almonds or having some almonds and dried fruit. So kind of just mixing, making sure that there's protein and just to just help balance it out. So um, just trying to think of something else like having a rivita or have a rivita, but put some cottage cheese on top or some turkey slices um, just so you can right. on protein. What about hummus? Is that a good option? Yeah, yeah. Hummus is wonderful. Yeah. So again, oat biscuits and hummus would work really well. Okay. Well, that's my snacking for today. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, I think that's really interesting. I could talk to you all day about this uh, and I kind of feel like I perhaps, <laughs> I maybe will have to come and have a consultation with you actually, because I find it really fascinating as well. And I, and the little that I know, I really would be interested to learn more, especially around you know, the body's immunity and gut health and all that mm. kind of stuff as well. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Um, but if we can just maybe uh, move on to talking a little bit about the yoga now, because mm. it's another area that I actually don't know very much about. I've tried your classes, which I loved, but I'm a, I'm a real beginner. But I'm, I'm aware that a lot of my audience will probably be already doing a, a really, you know, advanced yoga practice. Um, yeah. Can you just tell me a little bit about, you know, really what the benefits are? You know, I know you've talked about how it helped you sort of when you were running. I, I do run quite a bit, but I, I, more of a jog, I would say, <laughs> depending what mood I'm in. But what are the sort of other benefits that you that you find? Well, I mean, this is the wonderful thing about yoga. And one of the books um, by my bedside table that I'm reading at the moment is actually all the science behind yoga. So where they've done scientific studies. So um, every claim in the book has had a study and it's backed up um, with science. And it's fascinating. The list of benefits are endless. So um, as I mentioned earlier, it's really good for calming the stress hormone, which is fantastic for us. And that's how you get that kind of more peaceful, going to your rest and digest mode. It's also good for anxiety, decreasing symptoms of anxiety. It's been linked with decreasing uh, risk factors for like heart disease. Again, antidepressant uh, qualities. Um, I mean, I could talk, I, it's great for boosting the immunity because it helps um, push um, the lymphatic fluid around the body. So, and our lymphatic system is what helps us fight infection. So yoga has been proven to be great for immunity. So literally, I could talk about it all day, that the benefits are endless. There are so many benefits. So we should all really be doing it, shouldn't we? So um, I, I'm definitely going to have to start properly, I think. And I'm really keen to, actually. But how often, you know, if, if somebody comes to you who perhaps hasn't ever done any yoga, I've done Pilates, I used to do quite a lot of Pilates, but how often would you suggest that somebody does yoga to feel some of the benefits? I'd say start with once a week. Yeah, I'd say once a week is fine. And that's what I did for years. And again, always, I think always join a class. Um, there's loads and loads and loads of free videos on YouTube, which are great. I'd say at least once a week, try and get to a class or at least a Zoom online class so that you've got somebody um, who knows what they're doing, who can kind of keep an eye on you. Because the tendency in yoga is to see a uh, posture done and your ego, your mind would tell you that's what you should do. 
that's how you do it to get the benefit. And then people end up with an injury. So with yoga, there's different places. You can, like the classes I teach, I say it's all levels. I've got beginners, I've got experienced people. And everybody would do their practice to the level that they're comfortable and they get the benefit. So I'll be running a class and somebody might be able to completely straighten their leg because they've been doing yoga for a number of years. And for them, they need to really straighten their leg to feel that stretch. For somebody, they might still have a bend in their leg because they're still getting that stretch. But there's quite a lot of tightness in their hamstrings. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I sort of noticed that, I mean, when I, I did your class, um, mm-hmm. I had my screen set so that I could only see you, mm. which I thought was, was, was really good. But yes. at the beginning and at the end, you obviously sort of see other people, don't you? And I noticed that some people looked like they'd probably been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then others were perhaps newbies like me. So just on a completely superficial level, uh, what would you wear for yoga? Like compared to running, for instance, I don't really have a a yoga wardrobe of any kind so and I struggled when I did the class I was thinking oh I need to be able to bend over and you know not have my top sort of you know fall so you can see what's underneath and do you have any kind of like yoga brands yoga clothing brands that you'd recommend yeah I mean I I love Sweaty Betty I think um, Sweaty Betty um, do a, a wonderful range of yoga clothes but you certainly don't need the perfect yoga kit to do yoga brilliantly. I mean, the restorative yoga class I taught, which is a much more gentle practice a couple of weeks on a Sunday, somebody did it in their pajamas. So, so, um, you know, you you don't need the perfect kit to do yoga well. Um, I just think as long as you're comfortable, and as long as you're wearing something that you can move in, it's ideal to have maybe a top that's fairly tight or that you can tuck in so that when you do and postures that involve bending down, you're not constantly adjusting yourself and pulling your top down. So I'd say as long as you're comfortable and you've got something that you can move in, that's great. Okay, and so I've got no excuse to go shopping then. (laughs) Shame. (laughs) Um, uh, But you need a mat, I'm guessing. So it's kind of done barefoot on a mat. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably one of the things. You could do it on a carpet or on a floor, but ideally I'd say invest in a mat that you can pick them up for, you know, quite a reasonable price. And I'd say it just helps with the grip. Okay, okay. So I need to get myself my mat. Yeah. I've got a mat somewhere, but we, you know, we've been moving house and it's in a box buried somewhere. So <laughs> I shall find that and find a top that's nice and tight to wear underneath. And yeah, get cracking with some yoga because the benefits, as you've said, sound absolutely incredible. So what's next really for, for you and your business? Um, have you kind of got big plans? I know we obviously discussed this in the, the Brown Foundation. So what's, what's coming next for you? So the restorative yoga that I've just, um, I've just ran a class and I really ran that as a one-off, um, but it was so well received and I've had so many, so many requests that I'm thinking I'm going to make that a regular feature. So that's going to happen I'm thinking a Sunday once a month. Um, so I need to work out which Sunday, maybe the last Sunday of the month or something. Um, so that's going to become a regular feature. What What exactly is the restorative? Sorry to interrupt you there. Can you just tell me a little bit about what the difference is between that and your regular classes? Yeah, so with the restorative yoga, and this is lovely. So it's for anybody who's got an injury, but you don't have to have an injury. It's if you're new to yoga, but it's also great if you're if you've been practicing yoga for several years. 
it's just um, doing postures and we hold them for longer. So it's a little bit like a yin class. You hold the postures for longer, but we're supported. So you normally come to the class with blankets and pillows. So like when we do a child's pose, rather than having your head on the mat, you'd have your head on a pillow so that you feel supported, so that you can hold the position for longer. And it really, you end up doing the postures, but they're not as strenuous. So your your muscles really relax, but also it really, really calms your mind. So it's a really nice class to do if you're quite stressed, if you're quite anxious or if you're constantly rushing. So it's a really nice class to do just to calm and really, really switch on that rest and digest mode, which is where we want to be most of our day. Sounds absolutely lovely. I imagine you sleep really well after something like that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Monday yeah. morning, I had a lot of emails saying I had my best night's sleep ever. And especially <laughs> the oils as well. So we stop, we do breathing exercises using the oils. So yeah, it's really lovely. Oh, really, really nice. Kind of, like you say, a big dose of self-care right there. And a Sunday night is a really lovely time to do that. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there now because we've hit the hit the time. And um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I could talk to you all day. I think it's absolutely <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. If people want to reach you, I'll put obviously your links and stuff on the website. Mm. Um, but where's the best place for people to to contact you if they're interested in perhaps having a a nutrition consultation or to find out more about your classes? Really, on Instagram, if they're on Instagram, uh, they can contact me via Instagram or on my website, um, which you're, I believe you're sharing details with, and just drop me an email. Brilliant. Yes, I'll share, I'll share all your details. And I'm sure that some of our listeners will be in touch. And I really urge anybody that's considering it to try uh, Ify's yoga class at the very least, because it's lovely. And maybe I'll see you guys all in the restorative yoga in the next next round. Thank you so much, Ify. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Have a fabulous day and I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you very much for having me, Liz. Thanks for joining me this week. I really hope that you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Now, are you interested to know what type of entrepreneur you are? You can go and check out the quiz on my website, www.elevatewithliz.co.uk. It will tell you all about your business personality and the next steps to take to really elevate your brand. So be sure to go and check that out. And if you've got a spare couple of seconds, would you be so kind as to do a screenshot of this podcast episode uh, if you've enjoyed it and to share it to your Instagram stories? Please be sure to tag me at Elevate with Liz because it really does help other people to find the podcast. Thanks again and bye for now.